This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Psalm chapter 27, verse 8 says this, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. That is a very, he is saying that God told him to seek him out, to come seek and find him. And I I will say this, I, I know this for sure. Most every believer that I've ever really got down and talked to, especially on a discipleship level, teaching them to walk with God, they've had this knowledge, this urging, this drawing of the Holy Spirit to find or figure out or learn about God, about who he is, and to seek him out. And I see that happening. It's just, there's no telling what situation of life or what 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 thing might occur that causes a person to to okay step back and go what is happening here and then the answers to my my inquiries the answers to my situation i can find i actually have a source to find that in and i'm talking about believers i'm talking about people who are actual christians because a lot of times believers come to christ as young people and then they they're taught the word of god and it's buried in their hearts but then the situations of life and adolescence and then early adulthood cause them to figure, they're trying to figure out what it means to be them. And that's important. What it means to be you is important. And in that process, they kind of, this is a very important relationship with God. And then something happens and it might happen when they're late teenagers, or it might happen when they're early adults, or it might even happen on into their thirties and forties when they have a family they realize that that they've been setting the course of their life a long time and and God has not really played a great role in that. Now, of course, we know that God's hand's been in it, but they've not assented to his will. And they've been, well, they, we used to call it backslidden. They've been just, they've just been in living their life their way rather than seeking out God and something happens. And it doesn't have to be something that's bad or it doesn't even have to be something that's terrible, but all of a sudden they just get this, get to this place where they realize that there was, and a lot of times they draw from the things that were taught to them when they were young, things, God's word that was placed in their heart when they were young. And that's why it's so important to teach God's word uh, to young people and to constantly be giving them God's word, even if it seems like they don't, they're not receiving it. I, I find it so funny. My, my first experience in ministry was as a youth pastor for four years. And I, I loved discipling 11, 12, 13, 14 year old boys because really you don't disciple them. You just start talking about God's word and they look like they're paying absolutely no attention. And sometimes that's what's happening. They're paying absolutely no attention. But other times 
they're soaking in everything you're saying and you have no idea because they're, they're really 11 through 14 year olds or boys are really not human yet. They don't really start turning human until they're 14, 15, 16 years old. And, and then all of a sudden when they're 15, 16 years old, they know all these things and you go, well, how did there been no evidence that you knew anything that you were getting any of this? And then all of a sudden as, as, uh, as older teenagers and young adults, you realize they were getting it all. They're just in their non-humanness at the time that they showed no human evidence that they were getting anything. And even when we're discipling young people and they seem like they're not getting anything, they actually are getting a lot. And God is storing up in them uh, a lot of truth in their heart so that they can, he can draw upon that when the time comes. And so when that time comes, they realize, and I've seen that happen even in my own family in the last six months to be watching one in my family come to that place where I probably need to go to the author of life and seek out his answers. Not, And, and that important thing is not seek out my answers as a father or pastor, but seek out his answers. And it's very important that when that happens, that person seeks out God themselves. And that's what God said. He said, you said to me, seek my, and that doesn't mean seek out somebody else to tell you to seek God's face. That's placing somebody else in the role of the great high priest. And, and Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could go through somebody else to get to him. He died on the cross and rose from the grave so that you might go directly to him and deal with God on a personal level yourself. And I can't stress that. There is no intercessor between us and God yet for Jesus Christ. He is our intercessor. And so we go through him to get to the Father. We don't go through anyone else, dead or alive. We do not go through anyone else, dead or alive, to get to God. Jesus is the great high priest, and we are priests under him, all of us. And he said, don't, and David said, don't hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, which means God, don't look at me uh, and look at my issue and turn your face away from me. And, and this idea throughout scripture is very important. Understanding that once you're uh, redeemed, once you're converted, once, once you've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit and given a new human spirit, once that process has happened, God no longer treats you. You're never under the wrath of God. You're never under his his wrath. And, and that is real, real important. He no longer attributes sin to you. And like my, one of my, my favorite, my, my favorite life passage is one of the passages that kind of changed how I saw the whole world when I was a very young man and then has been something that I've held on to through young adulthood and then on to, to today. The book of James says that, that, that we're, if any of us lack wisdom in chapter one, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without finding fault. And I love that little thing at the end. Everybody you focus on, he gives generously. So we need to seek wisdom from God. But notice that he says without finding fault. What that means is that he doesn't pass out his wisdom based off of your position and whether how well you are doing in <clears throat> being obedient to by faith to what God is saying. He does it without finding fault. He gives it to you, understanding that, that wisdom is going to lead you to walking in faith and walking in obedience by faith. And I say that all the time, in obedience by faith, by walking in obedience by faith, we come to understand and live the life God has for us. And so we hear God, 
We trust him and we're obedient to them, to him. Obedience by faith. And when we're seeking his face, when we're doing those things, when God gives us wisdom, when he, when he is showing us who he is, he does that without condemnation. Okay. Now he does do it in the process of doing it. He does do it with conviction. And there's a difference between conviction and, and condemnation. And you need to understand that difference and, and, and best explained, actually, understanding our own, our own legal system. If you go to trial in our court system, the, this is how it happens. You go to trial and a jury of your peers determines whether you're guilty or innocent, all right, if the, or not guilty. If the jury of your peers finds you guilty, then they have convicted you of that crime, which means they've said to everyone that this person has committed this crime. That's called conviction, okay? You've been adjudicated or found to have done this, okay? That's the conviction of, it's the conviction of the court system. It's the conviction of society. It's how conviction happens, okay? But conviction in our court system does not happen and condemnation immediately follows. In fact, usually it's set off for a time and most of the time this happens all the, almost all the time. They set your, your date of sentencing for uh, a time later on because conviction in a spiritual sense does not come with condemnation. Conviction and condemnation are two separate things. To be condemned under the conviction means that there's punishment to come based off of what you have done. Well, in, in the way God deals with us, he convicts us, meaning he lets us know where we are diverging from his will and his way, but he does not condemn until, well, he doesn't condemn his at all. There is no condemnation. There's only continual conviction and a continual, there is results that happen from the conviction, but the punishment of hell or death is not, that's not held, that's not happening for us. He's convicting, he's placing us in a position where we realize that conviction. He continues all the time working us toward his very best, but understanding that we cannot continue in these ways. And he does not, he does not allow us to experience his goodness and his best in the midst of us continuing to walk in. That's not condemnation, but he cannot reward us for doing the things that we shouldn't be doing. He cannot reward that with his best or else we would never ever grow. We would just, he would just, we would just be, we, he would be an enabler of our, our sinfulness or our wickedness, or he'd be just an enabler of us not having his very best. And he can't give us our best when we're not in a position to receive our best, his best, because it just flows off of us. It just wipes away because we're a broken vessel. He said, he says, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Can you say that of God? You have, there's some very, just, can you say you have been my friend to God? Can you say you've been my help to God? Can you say without you, I don't know what, what where I would be. Can you say that of God? If you can, that means you've been walking with God. You have. And you may not have been doing it great, but who does? We don't really ever do it really well until one day when we stand before him. I would just say that, that you need to, you need to continue to do that. And if you can say that of God, that means you're walking in a relationship even with him right now. 
He says, you have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me. David is asking God to do what God has promised he would do. And let me tell you, there's nothing more pleasing to God than for his children and his people to, to, to say to him and to ask of him the things that he has promised, because that means that you've heard what he said, you've believed it, and then your mouth, you, the words of your mouth are agreeing with him and asking him for what he says, okay? And so David is doing that. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. I love that. He says, I, 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 I have moved into adulthood and when my mother and father are either physically no longer there to take care or the time has come for me to, as it were, to leave the nest when they forsake me. And you think, well, I didn't forsake them. My children, yeah, you did. You told them they got to get gone and pay for the, pay their own bills. And that's forsaking. And you say, that's a mean way to put it. It's not a mean, it's not mean. It's actually right. It, uh, you can't be an adult until you you live as an adult. And by the way, we have children, not so that they can be our, our friends or not so that they, we can take joy in, in raising them. Although we do both of those things, we have children so that they can become mature, capable Christians so that they can raise our grandchildren. Really, that's the whole point. Get them, move on to the grandchildren. That's a joke. I'm just joking about that. But the truth is, is we raise children so that they can be mature adults. And if you're doing really anything else, you're doing a disservice to your kids because they're going to want to be adults when they get to be teenagers. They're wanting, desiring to be adults. And, and the reason they are is because God made them to be adults. And it's very important. It's very important that you spend time, that, that the whole focus of you raising your children is so that they might be adults uh, because that's going to be the best for them. He says, but see, the thing is they are always going to need God. They're not always going to need you. And I want my children to always need God and walk with God, but I don't want them to always need me. And I want them to walk with me, but just not all the time. Okay. And so there we are. That's the right and natural way for it to be. He says, teach me your ways, O Lord, and lead me in the smooth path because of my enemies. Notice what he's saying. Teach me in your way so that I can walk on the paths that give me firm footing and that and not rocky so that when my enemies attack and when things happen, my foundation is secure and that I can deal with them properly. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and such as breath and such as breathe out violence. This is a, coming to the realization that there are going to always be those out there who speak ill of you, speak wrong of you, speak negatively of you. Understanding that is a truth that's going to be going on is a very freeing thing. Then when it happens, you're not all upset about it. That's going to happen. It's the way it is. And when that happens, sometimes it does hurt your feelings. But the truth is that, that you don't find your value in other people and what they say. And they are going to speak. There are going to be people out there that lie about you and speak ill of you. And in, in certain professions and in certain places in the world, that's going to happen a lot. And there's nothing that really can be done about it. I deal with a lot of public officials who have uh, very high responsibilities in the county that I'm in. And I, and I also deal with a lot of people who have a lot of difficulties. And I hear all kinds of stuff about 
some of these public officials who I know very well, just crazy stuff. Well, I mean, you know, I know that's not true. If you if you find your value in what other people say, then that's going to destroy you. But if you find your value in your walk with God, then that path is going to be firm and it's going to be set. And you you and 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 those things just those things are not true. And so you just let God deal with them. And that's what David is saying. I would have lost. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. Which means that I mean. Wow, what a, wow, wow. He says, I would have lost heart lest I would have believed. What a, what a great, what a great verse to, to, to memorize. He said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed it, which means faith has carried me through. And I can say that. Can't you say that? As much as I can say, I know God's been my friend. I got a good father. I had a great earthly father and I, I've got, I had a, I've got a, a unimaginably great heavenly father. I, I, God has been a friend of mine. What Those are great things to say, but the truth is I would have never known that. And I would have lost heart had I, meaning my emotions would have gone wild had I not trusted him, believed, if I not had faith. He says that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that faith is that we're going to see the goodness of God while we're alive. And if you've walked with God for any period of time, you do realize you do get to see the goodness of God while you're living. Even in the midst of the worst of situations, you get to see the goodness of God. And the goodness of God is right and proper. He says, wait on the Lord. And and this is uh, really, he ends in a very powerful way. Maybe something else to memorize as, as I give you verses to memorize. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Meaning, if you feel like God's not there, be patient and be courageous. If you feel like that the answer is not revealed itself, it may not have, because God may not have ordained it as such. But be 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 patient and be courageous. Do not fear. Be courageous. And remember, He started out with fear and how its effects are in verses one and two. But now at the end, He's saying. He's saying, wait on the Lord. Be patient with what God's plan is. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Um, And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. He's going to give us, be of good courage. He's going to give you strength, emotional strength to make it through. A lot of times we, a lot of times we're tired mentally. And there's more than a lot of times we're emotionally drained from a situation. And he says, if you'll wait on it and you'll be of good courage, meaning uh, a courage that's based in faith in God, a courage that's based in the realization that God is in control, a, a, a courage that's based on the very sovereignty of your Lord. If you will wait on God and be of good courage, he will strengthen your emotion and you won't be at an emotional end. You'll be emotionally prepared and ready for each and every day. And really, that's how we want to be. And in this quiet hour before the day begins, what a great uh, burst in. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.